podcast, Greater Than Yourself, Season 4. Do you have an idea for an episode or a question about sobriety, spirituality, 12 steps, or sponsorship? Email us at podcastgreaterthanyourself at gmail.com or contact us on Instagram at podcast underscore greater underscore than underscore yourself or doctor underscore silkworth. Okay, welcome back to a podcast. <laughs> I'm going to do like a call. One. <laughs> <laughs> the, fir- the, the first one, the whole, I realized when I'm editing these that like every single time I've recorded one, I've been like, okay. And then like whoever's <laughs> starts laughing and then I comment on the laughing. Um, so <clears throat> hello. Uh, welcome to a podcast greater than yourself. <laughs> we'll act like it's the the seven hundred club or something. <laughs> My name. We can say NPR. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh yeah. What a train wreck this is already. I. <laughs> <laughs> have something in my throat and my name is john barleycorn and my co-host today is leah hello hi how are you oh that was unexpected i'm okay i'm great <laughs> <laughs> it was a little abrupt <laughs> um and our guest for this burning desire is none other than retol- returning guest Roland, I am chewing my tongue in this intro. <laughs> What's going on, everyone? How are you, brother? Good. How are you guys doing? I'm doing well. Doing well. Good. You know. Good. Um, this is going to come out several weeks from now, so it won't be relevant. But uh, I did. I did. Uh, this is probably the first Thanksgiving in I don't know a few decades where I didn't like eat so much i was in pain so yeah i think i did the same thing i I had the same thought last night where i was like man i just like i ate one plate and then i was done and then i just like spent time with people i was like how did that happen (laughs) i yeah i ate a normal amount of food (laughs) (laughs) yeah something that doesn't happen at (laughs) christmas here i mean like we don't have thanksgiving so right but it's like from what i see it's like the same uh pattern for like every holiday that we celebrate ever which is just basically everyone stuffing food in their faces all the time and you know the mothers and the grandmothers just saying well have some more yeah right like, so Ugh. so there um, do you guys have the I'm phenomenon s- of like the uh really weird uncle you never talk to who wants to bring up super controversial political things at the dinner table <laughs> yeah the, the 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 drunk the drunk uncle yeah, uh, he exists worldwide. Yeah, yeah. that's a, just a human phenomenon. And there's another phenomenon in Spain called the cuñado, who's uh-huh. the brother-in-law. So oh. the brother-in-law oh, is nice. like, yeah. What is what is what is it specifically? The specific brother-in-law flavor brings to the table. It's like always these uncomfortable topics, not necessarily politics, because that's the uncle, but it's like, you know, all these like personal stories about, you know, like really uncomfortable stuff where everyone goes like, 
there's a minute of silence after they speak and everyone goes like uh, why don't you have a bit of more more of this you know whatever <laughs> yeah um yeah so what do you what do you got for a burning desire there roland well i was thinking about it and uh one topic that I, I frequently come back to when I look at my experience in getting sober and I, I look at my experience of really struggling to get sober. Um, the way that I was given the steps, the way that I was ta- finally taken through the steps where it finally took hold was, um, quick step working. Hmm. So I had the thought that I would talk a little bit about my experience in both and alcoholics trying to get alcoholics anonymous trying to get sober and uh what finally what it finally looked like when i got sober yeah so i was i was in alcoholics anonymous for a number of years i don't know seven eight nine years before i finally got sober and for a, a, a considerable period of time uh I, I was not yet ready to even take a look at the steps I, I was more interested in fellowship with doing a little bit of service with doing a little bit of like just the bare minimum mm-hmm. i thought that i needed to do like my own idea of what i needed to do to get sober so that's irrelevant that's about four years uh the final three four years i was extremely serious about getting sober in alcoholics anonymous and and continued to relapse mm-hmm. frequently mm-hmm. extremely frequently um about every 60 days, 90 days, maybe six months, I, mm-hmm. I could stay sober for these bits and periods of time while doing portions of the program, um, eventually drinking again and uh, finally having like sort of a step one experience where I realized I don't have the ability to just not drink. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I had that experience and I started going to sponsors and I had a ton of them. Um, and in my portion of the world, in my, my area of the country, I think that it's, it's, uh, common for sponsors to take sponsees through the steps slowly. Um, mm-hmm. this edu- educate, educational variety style approach to step working where we're going to sit down once a week with the book, read mm-hmm. as much as we can in that portion of time. And when we come to a direction, do it. And that's the, you know, that's a way of working the steps. And I think a lot of people have success in doing that. I just think that there is also, um, a large portion of the fellowship that that's not effective with. Mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. in order to work the steps in that, in that way, um, it takes a long time. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, the sponsors I'd work with, like I would end up drinking somewhere at the end of there is a solution. Cause we would read as much as we could for the 45 minutes or an hour. We would, I would ask questions. We would discuss what we had just read. We'd meet the next week, do it again. And it would be like, I don't know, um, six months before we had gotten to the fourth step. Mm-hmm. If you're, if you're mm-hmm. approaching it in that way. And, uh, I would always drink and then I'd beat myself up about it. You know, I would be re- really remorseful and go, why I was doing the steps. I was, I was, I was doing the steps and I drank. Well, obviously the steps don't work. That's kind of what I, what the, where I came to with it was like, I have been attempting to do the steps with sponsors for a very long time. I had no more barriers or blockages between me and the work. I had no longer uh, had any fear in regard to the higher power concept or turning my will and life over to it. I was fine with all of that. I was going through the steps in this piecemeal process with a sponsor and I drank. So 
ipso facto, the steps don't work. Right. All right. And I, I did it so often and so frequently I got pegged in my own area. Like the, the meetings that I would go to as just an unwilling, um, mm. uh, spon- mm-hmm. I, I got kind of put in that. I had heard somebody else say this, but they got put in a, a, a hospice. Like there was no real hope for my recovery. Right. Um, and I think that, um, not to, you know, besmirch the sponsors that I had, they had just had their own experience in working steps with a sponsor and they had a, a, um, a time frame in which they could work the steps, be it a year or more, stay sober for that time until completion and start working with sponsees. And that's what their experience told them that everybody has this time frame. right? Everybody can work the steps slowly and eventually come to an understanding of, of, of having a spiritual experience or whatever it is. And, um, I, I just wasn't one of those people. Um, right. My experience was I get, I get drunk very quickly mm-hmm. and I finally got connected with a sponsor in Louisville, Kentucky in a detox. Um, my, you know, 20th, I, I have no idea, you know, I've lost count of how many times I had had to go into treatment in a detox somewhere. And he was talking about something else. And, uh, he, he was saying, we're going to work these steps and we're going to do them quickly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I had heard like maybe in speaker tapes or somewhere else about people working the steps really fast. And, uh, I had no real knowledge of it. Nobody in my area did that. Uh, it was new information to me. But I, I was so broken, I was just like, yeah, of course, that's fine. You know, whatever you say I'll do, mm-hmm. uh, I have faith that, uh, um, I, actually, that's not true. I had no faith. I had no faith that the steps worked because I thought that I was doing them before. Right. But I had, I had nowhere else to go and no other real option. So I was just like doing this thing again, trying to go back into AA and, and do it. And uh, he took me... Uh, uh, we started working the steps together and we ended up completing the steps in about two weeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in the process of doing that, it felt uncomfortable. Like it felt like, Oh, I'm, I'm missing a ton here. You know, right. uh, there's, there's gotta, there's gotta be more information that I need to latch on to, um, in order to gain this experience or so that I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I found that not to be the case. I found that the, the, taking the actions of the steps far outweigh the information that I think that I need to do it. Mm. If I take the action, I get the result. Um, and that's what happened. I, I did an inventory, you know, I, I did steps one, two, and three with them in the course of, you know, an hour. I don't know. We just hit the, the main talking points in the book where it talks about powerlessness, unmanageability. Um, step two is, you know, however many pages, 20 pages. And then step three, the is, is a prayer. Uh, I did steps four and five and we did it together in the same sitting that I did steps one, two, and three. Um, we did it together. I, I wrote and we talked about it and I could see the failure that I had had in my own management, my own approach to life and saw that my own self will was really had set the ball rolling and all of this misery that I had experienced pray for those things to be removed step six and seven met him, met up with him again, um, to do, uh, steps eight and nine did those, uh, steps 10, 11, 12 were delivered quickly. And then we, uh, I had an experience from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I did the steps in this short condensed amount of time 
took the actions in regard with it, had a spiritual experience, and it happened as a result of taking the actions, not um, reading uh, the book with another person, um, not sitting in, sitting in a meeting, um, bringing up step three as a topic, not, you know, making coffee, not um, picking people up and giving them rides to meetings. It happened as a result of the specific directions in the book. And it can happen extremely quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been my experience. Uh, I think the language in the book also gives reference to an attitude to take with the steps. Um, next, quickly, at once. Mm-hmm. Um, all of this vigorously. We, there, there's these words that give us sort of an attitude to take in regard to it. But when I look back at the way that I had wor- worked the steps previously and didn't stay sober, none of those applied. Mm. <laughs> you know, I was not vigorously doing anything. I was reading with my sponsor, then going and living my life and doing nothing in regard to the steps and then coming back a week later to, you know. Um, also, the, it gives reference and in, in stories in the back and the history and, and what they originally did. Mm-hmm. And um, they did it even faster than I did it, right. you know. Uh, and I think that was my, my thought. What ultimately saved my life was that I, um, I worked the steps and gained spirit, a spiritual experience before self returned. I was extremely desperate. Mm. I, I worked the steps, I had an experience and, uh, I did it before I started managing my life again. Mm. Um, I, I have the, uh, the experience of sponsoring a lot of guys in my time sober. And, uh, I see the same thing happen with them frequently, mm-hmm. which is I end up sponsoring guys with my same story and that they've worked the steps in this, this way, this more elongated way. And they haven't been able to, to stay sober. And they say a lot of the same things that I said to myself mm-hmm. for those years, which is there's something wrong with me. You know, I guess I've just, um, I'm just a piece of shit. You know, I just suck. I guess I'm not willing. You know, I had a sponsor tell me a while back I wasn't willing. So it feels like I'm willing, but I guess I'm not because I didn't stay sober, you know, and they, they just don't know, don't know what they don't know, mm-hmm. which is if we do this quickly and you do it thoroughly. So thoroughly does not mean slowly. Thoroughly means we follow each direction. Mm-hmm. You'll get the experience. And then I've seen these guys get sober and stay sober and be very active members of AA. Um, so I don't know that that's really what I had in mind for today. What are you guys' thoughts? <laughs> I have a, <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> I, I like, I've been normal all day long and then I got like super flimmy the second I hit record for some reason. I'm just like <laughs> clearing my throat every 10 seconds. So like my entire, um, uh, my entire uh, contribution to this episode so far has been a batshit crazy intro and then clearing my throat every <laughs> 10 seconds of But um, I have many things to say. It's like every 10 seconds you're talking. Uh, so every 15 seconds I'm clearing my throat, but every 10 seconds I'm like, ooh, I want to talk about that. Ooh, I want to talk <laughs> about that. But I'm uh, guessing Leia uh, feels the same. Um, so I'm just going to comment on one thing first, and that's, um, this concept of, uh, it's hard for me to pick one. I'm going to just choose one, one random thing that you said. Um, the people in the book didn't have the book. 
Yeah, for <laughs> so sure. So it's just the I don't like I I get um here's my deal, right? So like when somebody goes let me just use this as an example, right? When somebody goes um to the doctor and they're like experiencing symptoms of dehydration, right? And the doctor's like, "Hey, uh, how much water do you drink? And they're like, oh, I don't ever drink water. I drink fucking Coke all the time, right? That's all I drink. And the doctor's like, okay, maybe don't do that. Drink drink some water. Add some water, right? And then that person goes and drinks like five gallons of water a day, and they get like potassium deficiency, and they die. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, I think that there is a subsect of solution people in AA who are like going to meetings and hearing all this like meeting maker stuff that is ineffective for the real alcoholic described in the book. And as a reaction, I would say an overreaction to that. They're like, we need to go line by line through this book. Mm -hmm. and every mm -hmm. single word of this book. I need to sit there and read every line of this. And when we get to an action, we'll do the action. And then we go to the next line and then we read. And it's just like, you might be killing someone doing that. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe it worked for you. Maybe, you know, some of these people, I know that they didn't even do it that way. They just heard it later done that way, and then now they're doing that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that sort of big book sponsorship can be an overcorrection to the uh, fuck the book crowd, you know, the people who are like, I don't care about that old book. Um, because... It really is a book of directions, and as you mentioned, a lot of those directions give some specific guidance on like how and when to do them, um, mm -hmm. and literally not a single one of them says to go line by line through the book and to study it and to examine it and to exhaust yourself on it. Um, I think that that can be good for learning the book. But as you mentioned a few times, um, and as I know from my story, I knew this book and I was addicted to drugs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, exactly. I, 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 I could quote the book and I was quoting it at bars and at parties where I was getting high. Um, and like, I knew that it spoke about me in a specific way, but I couldn't recover from alcoholism because I, mm -hmm. I didn't I, do all the stuff in the book. Yeah, there's... <laughs> I had give, when it, when it was my time to sponsor after after doing this, I had such an experience, but I was a little apprehensive about taking guys to the steps so quickly because it just was so different. And I thought I was I was just afraid um, mm -hmm. to to do it with with people because uh, I just didn't want to be that weird outlier, and and, and also I didn't want to be pegged as like a zealot, right? And um, <laughs> but my experience spoke to me a whole lot louder than the sort of the fear of what I might the backlash I would receive from from doing it, but. My, I talked to my sponsor about it. He was also somebody that had the exact same experience as me of being in Alcoholics Anonymous, doing step work with sponsors in a really slow pace. Um, but uh, he, had, he had kind of told me it like this. He, he said, um, there's a majority of people that can stay sober for maybe a year and slowly do these steps. But then there is this minority of these alcoholics that don't have that time frame. Me and you are those people. Um, mm -hmm. If you were to look at two people, you have no idea which one can stay sober a year on their own willpower until they finally complete the steps and get an experience or the guy that only has a month of sobriety. 
before he eventually drinks again. Mm -hmm. And that's the importance of working steps quickly is that I can't just like gauge, um, Oh, this guy here, he's, he, he can stay sober for, for a year. We've got plenty of time to do this. Right. Right. So, um, I think that there's a, a majority of people in Alcoholics Anonymous that have this, this, this window of opportunity, a long window and they'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just not one of those people. So the reason that I work the steps quick is I can't pick and choose who, which one of those people it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know who has that window to do it. And also to speak to, you know, the, the overcorrection of people that are like line by line, word for word, it's just unnecessary. <laughs> you know what I mean, like it's there, there's the concept of the book. There's the ideas behind this book, which are very simple yeah. um, and can be explained very quickly and, and, and digested um, very quickly. And it, to belabor it by spe- by reading every line and the the prosaic steel girders and you know and all of these like <laughs> random uh, yeah. you know analogies that Bill Wilson puts in to try and sell you on an idea of step two and you know it's just like I just think that it can be um, sped up right and I like what you said which is that uh, they didn't have the book they were just like hey hey you know this thing's about higher power you okay with that. Yes, let's move on. No, yeah. no, you can leave, you know. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah, and it's like what, you, what you're saying that we don't know who actually needs this when they walk into a meeting as a newcomer. So like by that rule, uh, it doesn't really matter if you want to take the steps slowly or quickly, or if you want to find a sponsor who will take you through the steps quickly or slowly, everyone who walks through that door can benefit from doing the steps the way they are outlined in the book. Mm-hmm. And they're out. And what what uh, one of you mentioned was, uh, I think it was you, Roland. All these adjectives, you know, and all the all this all these references to, to time at once, vigorously launched, mm-hmm. you know, resolutely. I mean, it's it's completely clear. There's like no, <laughs> there's, right. I mean, there's no doubt about the intent of the people who wrote the book when it comes to a time frame in taking the steps. And another thing that you mentioned that actually is also my experience is that when people uh, go to meetings and hear things like we're working the program or you need to work the program and what the program is, is, you know, really fuzzy it's sort of like a combination of you need to call five people a day. You need to call your sponsor every day. Uh, you need just not to drink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you need to make the coffee. You need to do service. And then, like, you you start calling people and you you start, you know, telling them how miserable you are because you don't have the solution. So you're basically just, you know, pushing through sobriety on your own, which obviously never works for the true right. alcoholic. And so... You know, and, and, and so you say, and they tell you, well, you need to work the program around this. And you're like, okay, but what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> like, right. Do I need to like go to a meeting now? Yeah, that's the thing. You need to go to a meeting. So you go to a meeting, you go, you know, you finish the meeting and you're like, okay, so now what? Because I'm still fucking miserable. Mm-hmm. So uh, the this idea of telling people that the program is whatever we think it is, is just... 
I don't, you know, it's it's not only confusing people, but it's making people relapse and eventually just go back out and never come back in mm -hmm. because we're yeah. not telling them what the program is. The program of, I mean, the idea of the program is completely lost in, mm -hmm. in Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> and it's Man, just, I mean, yeah. so, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Keep going. No, go, go. I was just, uh, that's exactly what my experience was. And I think it's the experience of so many people that come into the program where the, the, the program is lost with the amount of information delivered in meetings. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was working so hard to stay sober those three years before I got finally got sober. Um, when, when I had like coffee commitments, I was a grapevine representative. <laughs> I, I was, um, a GSR and inter, intergroup rep. I was also right. like driving to this halfway house to pick up guys, to take them to a meeting. Cause that was a suggestion from a sponsor. I was attending two, three meetings a day. You know, I was going to like 14, 15 meetings at one point a week. Uh, I was, um, staying away from, from old people. Right. I was staying, uh, changing my people, places and things. Cause that was seemed to be really important. A lot of people would talk about that. I was doing gratitude lists. I was, I was so immersed in my quote unquote recovery and I would drink and I would just go, man, I have problems way worse than alcoholism. <laughs> right. Obviously I was so busy trying to stay sober and drinking that it was just, and then, and then sponsors would just go well you know yes he's unwilling you know i you know you obviously missed something because you, you drank again and it was just Maybe like you're un constitutionally incapable <laughs> exactly. of you know I, you're like that thought came to me so many times <laughs> yes it's so just many heart times heartbreaking you know yeah. hearing these stories because it's also part of my experience in alcoholics anonymous yeah what, what yeah, you make I, me think you of know. is did you guys have the experience or do you now have the experience looking back of like not doing the steps NAA was so much more work than doing the stuff. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. That's what I was going to say is once I finally did. So my sponsor, when we, when we did the steps, um, that when I finally got sober, uh, he didn't suggest any of the other stuff. You know, I was like, well, do I need to go? You know, I was asking him a lot of the questions like, well, how many meetings do you want me to go to? You know, cause I was really like throwing myself at him to say, what do I, what do I need to do? Right. And, uh, he was like, I don't, yeah, if you want to go to meetings, that's, that's cool. You know, like he, he, he had no other, um, suggestion outside of the 12 steps. Right. He was not telling me to go get a commitment. He was not telling me to go like spend time with people in the fellowship. He was not telling me to go to conventions. He was not telling me to attend, you know, three meetings a day. He was not, he wasn't giving me anything else to latch onto, uh, other than we're going to work these steps and do them quickly. Mm -hmm. So I did those, once I did the steps with them, completed it and started sponsoring other people had this experience. It completely stripped down everything else everything else just sort of fell away like yeah. <laughs> and then I, I i saw what you had just spoke about which was how much easier it is to just do the steps <laughs> how how i'm just not fighting anything else i'm not trying my at you know i'm not trying to stay sober i'm not mm -hmm. wrestling with my sobriety i just did it and then and then i got to this place of neutrality where it was just everything was removed and it, it was just a be beautiful experience to have and now it, uh, you know, I, I, I talk to people, sponsees about it, and they have that same sort of shocked look on their face when they're not told that they have to, you know, have this many commitments a week and, and all of this other stuff. So Right. And I think a lot of the, a lot of the baggage of all of the stuff, like 
I think you come to this type of sponsorship and like I, 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 I am loath to even describe it that way, to even characterize it as like a type of sponsorship because it's like, yeah, this what you're we just are describing is chapter seven sponsorship. This it's yeah, working with others is what we're describing. We're not describing some separate thing. So it's like, if you are yeah. someone who's like listening to this and you have not. Because people do contact me through this podcast and they say, I want to learn how to go through the steps the way that you do it, right? Uh So, like, preemptively, if you're listening to this and you have not been sponsored this way, like, we're not describing a special take on Alcoholics Anonymous. What we are describing is Mm -hmm. Chapter 7 of the book Mm -hmm. Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm -hmm. Exactly. This is about plainly presenting the kit of spiritual tools. So, with no delay, it's like, is this person interested in sobriety are they the real alcoholic okay here's this program of action (laughs) like this is the thing so i think when you do encounter that kind of sponsorship um all of the baggage of the however long you've spent in meetings prior to that you know maybe in leia's case not as long as you you or i um Mm -hmm. but even if it's like a week of meetings before that you've got seven tons of differing information that goes right against things like launching into a course of vigorous action, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that, uh, for the viewer at home, if, if you are, if you do have lots of commitments, if you are attending lots of meetings, if you are, none of that is bad, right? right? Mm. Like I'm not, that's the thing is not, not, I'm not speaking ill against any of the other stuff that's like sort of made its way into the, the fellowship mm-hmm. none of that isn't it, it's all valuable it's all good you know go be a part of a community that's great yeah. it's just not it's just not the directions that book talks about in staying sober yeah. it says that'll grow up about among you you know like the fellowship will grow up around you but it, it speaks to it more as a result of um finding the solution than finding other people that have that solution not forced fellowship and not, you know, so I just want to make sure that that gets voiced that it's, if you are doing all of that other stuff, that's great. Just also work the steps, you know? Yeah. It's, it's what it speaks to is what type of experience are you having with sobriety? Um, Mm -hmm. if, if you asked me, are you a recovered alcoholic? Without hesitation, I would say, yes, I'm a recovered alcoholic. I, I have, I have recovered from the symptoms of alcoholism. I, I no longer have any symptom of alcoholism. Mm-hmm. I don't have any physical symptoms of alcohol because there's no, of alcoholism because there's no alcohol in my body. And I don't have any mental symptoms of alcoholism. I, I have no desire mm-hmm. to drink. I don't think about drinking. Um, mm-hmm. When somebody hands me a drink at like a holiday party, I say, no, thank you. There's no consideration mm-hmm. for a minute of like, maybe I could figure out how to just have a couple and just unwind. The thing that was in my brain that would always trick me into drinking again is gone. I'm recovered from alcoholism. Exactly. Um, yeah. If you're not in a place where you can say that and just feel like it's part of your, um, your like motor senses, part of your nervous system, mm just something as automatic to you as breathing. Mm. If it's not like that for you and you haven't experienced that, um, that is on offer through the 12 steps. That's exactly (laughs) what the 12 steps offer you. And so I think if we think about the 12 steps as a recipe to get that product, right? 
it's this mm-hmm. this this thing that you talked about in your initial uh, share was like it made me think of the recipe analogy because if I'm gonna do like if I'm gonna crack two eggs in a bowl and then I'm gonna put two cups of flour and a cup of sugar in a bowl and then stop. I'm not going to have a cake, of course, but I'm not going to be confused as to why I have a cake, right? Because the person who gave me the recipe for the cake didn't give me all of this other stuff to distract me from doing the recipe and and mm-hmm. and, and like sell all that other stuff as like, well, hey, if you talk to people about cakes, that'll that'll get you a cake. And if you <laughs> if you do a dream board and write a journal about cakes, that'll get you a cake. Like and right. if you go to uh, support groups to talk about cake making, that'll get you a cake. Like nobody's doing that. They're just saying, here's the directions for the cake. Mm. Make a cake. And so what right. we're saying is we had all of this other stuff and then somebody was like, hey, there's actually some recipe here. You could just do the recipe. And then I, I, I don't want to speak for y'all's experience, but my experience on the other side of the recipe was like, holy shit, there's a fucking cake. Like, there's, yeah. there's an actual <laughs> thing. Like, there's a thing I have now. And it's the thing I was describing where it's like, you don't you don't even have to finish asking me for me to say, yes, I have the thing. I have it. And not only do I have it, cr- I can show you how to get it. Yeah. And the crazy thing is you could have a cake in like four hours if you just followed the directions on it rather yeah. than spending six months in uh, cake support group meetings. Yes. That's what it's like <laughs> to get a cake, you know? Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> um, when, what, what, uh, I think, uh, John mentioned that when you're like on the other side, when you've, when you've taken the steps and, you know, by the book, launching into action and all of that. And you're on, on the other side and all of this stuff that you have heard falls away and you just see with complete clarity that this is, I mean, it's not a difficult cake to make. Yeah. And no. once you've got the no, cake, the flavor is amazing. So you don't really <laughs> need all this other stuff. I mean, right. and then you go as a recovered person, you go back into the fellowship and you you know you're you're like your initial reaction is to start screaming at all these people and tell them listen look at this thing it's amazing and it's and it's here we are all here for this but we're not talking about it Mm. why this cake is freaking amazing and um and so like when when you when what this is what happened to me when I went back after taking the steps into this group which saw me completely like miserable mm-hmm. two or three weeks before that and you know I said listen you don't need to call people when someone hands you a drink at an office function you know like a like a job thing like a job office party. Mm-hmm. It's what it's what John said. It's like it's so in your system, and it's so and it happens so quickly, just like they describe in the book, mm-hmm. that people do not believe you. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you say, okay, you know, like I don't need to call anyone. I can go, and you know, anywhere in the world where there is alcohol, and I don't need to talk to five different people before the event, throughout the event, and after the event. Mm-hmm. Like that's not. And it's not even a part of my role as a sponsor. 
or yours, yeah. like anyone's, right. you know, you just need to do this stuff. And that's it. Yeah. It's that simple. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I attend meetings here in my home city. And, uh, I think there's a large, large group of people that, uh, do the, um, um, what am I trying to say? They, they try to avoid alcohol. And, um, right. I, there's one guy in particular, I love him to death, but he, uh, I was talking to him recently about a family get together. I was going to, he was just asking me what was going on. I told him I was going to do this. And he was like, well, hold on, hold on. You know, make sure to use that phone. <laughs> He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious, man. If you, if you're in a slippery situation, you pick up that phone and you call me, I will be there, you know? And it was really heartfelt and I really yeah. appreciate it, but also just kind of felt bad. For you know I, mean? right. I just kind of felt bad that it, I was like, you've got 15 years sober and you're still in this position where mm. you think the drink is just going to hit you over the head and, mm. uh, and attack you. And it's mm. like, man, I, I, that's not my experience. And, and I don't have the heart to go, well, what are you, you know, what are you doing in your program? Or you think it's just <laughs> like, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to let that guy live his life. And he's, and if he's happy with that, that's fine. It's just that that's the exact opposite of what our program tells us will happen if we do it you know <laughs> we can get to neutrality we can go anywhere do anything live the best life that we can and and, and we don't have to worry it, you know and uh, uh i just can't imagine um living life uh, uh in paranoia that the, that the yeah. drink will come come back you know yeah, yeah um <clears throat> there's i th i think if you're a person who is in that position whether you're you know 15 years abstinent in that kind of place in your recovery or if you're new <clears throat> just if you're someone who hasn't had the experience of actual neutrality coming mm -hmm. to you as a result of the steps um i think that what i'm about to say is like um it's like <laughs> you know that's showing a third grader like you know high level trigonometry or something in, in terms of like i'm not ready for this i don't like i'm not like no miss me with that right um which is not to say that it's like this is advanced aa again this is this is aa <laughs> this is this, yeah. this is yeah. literally baseline aa um <laughs> but the fact that i don't think about alcohol at like yesterday's Thanksgiving gathering where like half the people there were drinking alcohol um, is it doesn't even occur to me right the, the, mm. the thing that kind of occurs to me but is like even secondary to that um, I'm I'm able to show up to those events um, free of the self-centeredness that you are enraptured with when mm -hmm. you go into every situation of your life thinking about how it's going to affect you and thinking about oh if this person's drinking i gotta be on this part of the room or avoiding that or this and that and what happens if this the level of self-centered thinking that's going on there is exactly mm -hmm. what we're starting to talk about in the, like a step three, you know, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I think it's on page 62 where it talks about being entirely rid of self. And like, if we're, 
it says something about like uh, you know there there seems no no way of being entirely rid of self without God's aid, implying that we can be rid of self. And my experience is that I will have nightly reviews sometimes where I, where I sit down do my nightly review and then I go, oh shit, I like did not think about myself today. I was mm-hmm. just like on autopilot, like being useful, do like being productive, being helpful. Um, I am so far beyond a place where I am thinking about avoiding places where people are drinking. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm to a place where, like, and I think that you can't not get here if you're actually doing the steps, where it's like, what I think about at the end of the night is like, okay, was I, could I have been more uh, thoughtful of, you know, my cousin at the Thanksgiving day, like, could I have been more interested in what's happening in his life in that conversation, mm-hmm. you know, and, and not even in a way of like, I was talking about myself, but in a way of like, I just wasn't really talking. I was just kind of sitting there. Right. Could I have been mm-hmm. more engaged yeah. with other people? Could I have been pulling them in? Could I have been kinder? Mm-hmm. Um, the last fucking thing I think about is who was drinking alcohol, you know? And, and again, I think that like, if you have not experienced that, um, if you've not experienced freedom from self, if you've not experienced sitting down with someone who knows this book and who's gone through this work and can relate with you on a level of profound self-centeredness that is really key to understanding what we're doing in steps three through 12, um, (laughs) if you haven't had that experience, um, that could really, really really be uh, something that could launch you into a permanent life change. You know, that's what's happened for me. Um, and when you were talking earlier, you, you, you put it really well before self returned is what you said. You're talking about mm-hmm. this window of opportunity. And for me, that's such a beautiful way to put this because I can speak for myself, at least here and say hundreds of times I had, moments of surrender but i never surrendered to a thing that could bring me that life until i surrendered to the process of the 12 steps until somebody plainly presented their experience to me and said here's what we'll do if you want to do that and we'll do it like this Mm -hmm. and they didn't they didn't put up a single fucking speed bump. They didn't slow me down at all. They just gave me the directions and everything, every time I did a direction, they gave me another direction. There wasn't any pausing to debate or discuss or to process. It was just, this thing's not about me being a good teacher. This thing's not about you being a good student. This thing is about, I've done this. I'll show you how to do it. You'll have an experience with it or you won't. So... Mm-hmm. When I surrendered to that, it was a whole different type of surrender than I had been doing to, uh, you know, various religious things I tried or just like being an animal about my diet and the gym and like being mm-hmm. a workaholic, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. trying to do more creative things to feel fulfilled, uh, <laughs> falling in love with 15 different fucking people, like all of these different things that I had <laughs> thrown myself into, right? In some mm-hmm. attempt to get my shit together. I never experienced freedom from self in any sense of like a sustainable way, um, let alone freedom from the desire to drink alcohol at any given moment until I yeah. surrendered to this actual process. But that never would have happened for me had someone not presented the directions 
while I was in that window of opportunity. Yeah. And I think that, um, being yesterday was Thanksgiving. I can, I can vividly remember the, the type of person I was. Cause I, I remember going to Thanksgiving dinners and, and, and just being, um, untreated, you know, right. <laughs> and just how self-involved I was going into those. Cause we, I, I used to sit in meetings and there would be like game planning for what it's going to be like going to <laughs> a lot of the clubhouses. Like, all right, drive yourself. Okay. Have a set period of time, park on the street and not the driveway. Cause if somebody blocks you in and you're stuck and you're stuck at the thing, then you can't get away and get to a meeting, you know, have a meeting plan, talk to your family. Everything was like, um, uh, tips and tricks on how to avoid the thought of drinking. And I mean, this you know, or how made to... your family feel really comfortable and happy to have. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And to just be there and just be such a fucking prick, you know what yeah. I mean? And just like, just so full of myself, not, not in a like positive, like, like way, but just like a, uh, uh, you know, I can't sit next to him. He's drinking, you yes. know, I'm going to, I'm going to take my plate and go sit at the kid's table and, and you just, talk with them, yeah. you know, and just be a fucking asshole for all of these things. And then just working the steps and seeing how, seeing the, the fault in all of that, you know, and just seeing how, how wrong I was about this, this stuff. So, hell yeah. So the other thing that I wanted to ask you was, um, how long do you think it took for you to realize like, Oh, this thing happened like like i was talking about earlier where if somebody asked you you know it's like the analogy of like you know if you get hit by lightning and somebody was like hey you, you ever been hit by lightning like you know yes or no yeah <laughs> right like, <laughs> um like how long do you think it took realistically from that last time when you came back until somebody could ask you hey did you recover from alcoholism like how long do you think that, mm -hmm. that took i mean i can remember the moment and it was about three weeks to a month after I had completed the steps where I, I suddenly realized I've told the story, I think on this podcast before, but I, uh, I was sober for, Hey, I say the maybe, same shit over and over again on this podcast. Okay, so right. I think you're good. <laughs> all right. I, uh, I was in this detox and treatment center for 60 days. I worked the steps. It took two weeks. I moved out of that treatment center and into my own apartment. Um, and was sponsoring other people. So a month after that is when I realized that I w was on a different footing. I was driving from uh, my apartment to a treatment center or a halfway house uh, to, to work with a sponsee. This was new territory for me. I'd never sponsored anyone in the nine years previous. I never made it that far in the steps. So I uh, was sponsoring this guy and I was driving um, and realized that um, the obsession and it wasn't just the obsession to drink alcohol th that had been removed. It was like all of this other stuff had been removed too. this constant, like self-loathing and negativity, mm -hmm. these feelings of hopelessness and pity that I'd lived with for, um, just, you know, my entire life. Mm -hmm. Um, I was just cool as I just, I was just okay, which was such a new feeling for me just to be in my car driving and, and just fine. And, uh, that happened just about three weeks to a month after I had completed the steps. And I knew in that moment that I had had an experience. And the only thing that I could point to that had happened that was different was I had completed the steps, done amends and was sponsoring other people. 
Mm. And I, I knew I had had a spiritual experience as a direct result of the directions and working the steps. And it happened extremely quickly. Um, there was a, a guy that I, uh, used to go to meetings with, and I used to think this was a dickhead thing to say, but he said, you know, there's no question in regard to a spiritual experience. You either know you've had one or you, or you haven't had a spiritual Mm -hmm. experience. Mm -hmm. And I, and this is years before I finally got sober. So I just thought, what a, what a dick, you know, but, uh, (laughs) but I knew I had a spiritual experience and it was so different Mm -hmm. from anything else. Like I, it wasn't religious. It wasn't this like, Oh, it it wasn't anything that I thought it was. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I had built up an idea of what a spiritual experience meant or was supposed to look like, but what I felt was just peace. Mm. I felt, I felt contentment. I felt at ease. I, I felt all of the things that I was looking for, for all of those years. Um, and what I was feeling was the absence of self, mm. the absence of, of me trying to arrange and control my life. So when I, when that stuff had been, you know, removed from me as a result of working steps. What, what I was left with was just this, this new foundation uh, of me. Like it was just a different, a, a completely different feeling than I'd ever felt before. The only other attributable um, thing that I could say that I'd felt was the peace and ease that came from liquor. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. that, that's how I, I felt without the intoxication. I just felt okay. But just like the first few years of drinking, not right. the, chaotic awful debilitating (laughs) final 12 years but those first few years i was just like i drank and everything was good i was sitting in the in that moment and i just knew everything was okay you know and i had no fear in regard to if if i was going to drink or not it just been taken away from it so Hmm. yeah a very short time after i worked the step sorry that was a long long form it was great way to answer your question i think i mean it also just circles back to like Uh, we know for sure two things that treat alcoholism and one of them is alcohol. Like, yeah, yeah. The, the fucking, the, the first time that I got enough alcohol in my body to feel what alcohol did for me, I wanted to be drinking alcohol all the time. All the time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. Same thing with like mm. opioids. The first time when I was a teenager and I put codeine in my body, I was like, okay, so... <sighs> Now I know that I can be okay without alcohol because I have yeah. <laughs> I have opioids. <laughs> you know, I'm like, so yeah. like I'm like, how do I just uh, feel like this all the time, right? But then mm. that so that's why I say you know like I have had moments of I don't know endorphin dopamine rush whatever you want to call it um, where I have surrendered in some sense where I've been like, okay. And that's why I mentioned, you know, the, the butterflies of like a new romantic experience or Mm -hmm. rush of getting uh, hired at a job where I have more freedom and make more money than I ever have or whatever it is. These fleeting things that would momentarily, I would abandon myself to them and, uh, then very quickly realize, Oh, that just kind of went away. That, feeling of contentment um (laughs) and and it wasn't until the experience that the steps produced that i had something of substance that i was surrendered to a process that led me to this thing that was a sustainable and increasing potency you know it it Mm -hmm. was that same sense that i got i had a very similar i mean the way that you describe it i think is very similar the 
not the scenario, not the circumstances, but the realization that like, oh shit, I'm o- I'm okay, dude. Like I'm actually, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm on solid footing. Like, mm-hmm. and that realization came it, like in a time when you know, on paper, my life was kind of in shambles. Still, I mean, you you know, you were you know, fresh out of rehab and, you know, like, I, I, I'm sure you weren't making 300K, <laughs> you know what I mean? No, you know, I you, had fucking nothing. Right. Yeah. But there's an inner turmoil that has been removed. And, mm. and, and not only that, but I have like, and we talked about this on another burning desire this season. Um, when we talk about, we talked with our friend, Brittany, Talk about the, you know, the story of like a monk who goes to a monastery for 20 years and spends 20 years getting to a place where he's like, you know, <laughs> overcome alcoholism or whatever. And then it's like, mm. uh, m- my, my goof on that was like, oh yeah, after 20 years, aren't you stoked that you didn't, uh, just do this thing that takes like a day to do, <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> and like, and her, her joke was, um, was that, uh. Yeah, but then, you know, some other monk makes you mad and you have no process to, like, you know, quickly get back on track with that. And so that's the other part of this thing is that, like, 10, 11, and 12 work in such harmony that I have a sustainable way to grow this connection, you know? Yeah, and that's how I can tell that uh, that it was a spiritual experience as a result of the steps because I've had those. And shortly after that experience, I, I... I was, I had a feeble 10, 11 and 12. And I, and I returned to this like sort of miserable state that I get to without, mm. um, um, working the steps in my life. And then once 10, 11 and 12 were, were brought back in and I became really uh, diligent about doing that, I get back to that place of being at peace and ease. Mm. You know, it's, it's really cut and dry for me where I can see, you know, in my own life, what that looks like. Um, after I had had that spiritual experience and not doing 10, 11 and 12, I can very quickly go back to a place of like restless, irritable and discontent. And I apply 10, 11 and 12 and all of a sudden that restless, irritable discontent is gone and I can find myself back in this place of peace and ease. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's like you, you do this thing, you have the, the, the spiritual experience as a result of, you know, one to 12, Mm -hmm. um, which happened to me incidentally, only after I started sponsoring, mm-hmm. um, the, ex- the spiritual experience, that connection to God, I had, uh, you know, somewhere between the steps, maybe somewhere between far, four and nine, but the obsession, the, like this ease of being that you talked about came like only with step 12 for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that would be that, that's great i mean that's one thing that we get from from the steps the the unblocking and the, the the lifting of the obsession but then the other just amazing thing that 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 you know we're given with the steps is is 10 11 and 12 so basically the tools to mm-hmm. help you position yourself in life so as to be well obviously you know helpful to others but also to sustain this ease of being Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. throughout your day, your week, your month, your, you know, your life. And it, and it's something that is exponential. It just keeps growing and growing Mm -hmm. and like everyone is affected around you through that. So, um, you know, working the steps slowly is 
is really not giving yourself a chance to get to these tools mm-hmm. that yeah. you can get to very quickly. So you, it's sort of like a cake that's there, you know, you keep yeah. remaking that cake. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, that's one thing I wish that I had known, um, early on. And I think I would have saved myself some heartache had I known, but, um, working the steps, I'm, I get to this place of peace and ease. I find this contentment that's, that's, that's sustainable and I, and I can live in that state. But I also, on the other hand, will, will definitely experience life. I will definitely experience anxiety. I will definitely experience worry, stress, depression. I will have all of these things, but what the 12 steps are doing is giving me treatment for that stuff. Mm. Basically, I'm treating that. I thought that a spiritual experience meant that I will no longer ever feel a negative experience mm. again, a <laughs> negative feeling. Just like, an, I have no idea why. I no thought, longer I, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I would basically, I thought a spiritual experience meant spiritual enlightenment, you know, Mm. like I was Mm. going to be enlightened to the point of, uh, no longer having human emotion. And that's not the point, you know, I'm definitely going to have an offer for Russell brand and Moby. That's it. Just that's it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't want, I, I, I would often listen to people talk in meetings or people on speaker tapes and talk about like, and I was like, man, I got to get to that place where I don't yeah. feel a- anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I just yeah. feel good all the time. It's like, fuck no, man. You are going to feel like shit. You know, believe it. You know, but what we're going to do is in those moments, we're going to just apply these steps. So to speak to speak quick step working, and this is another thing that I had experienced was that when I was given the foundation early, like in that short time frame, I had the tools to deal with that stuff when it came up at like mm. 60 days sober or nine, 90 days. So, you know, like it's really difficult to watch people that are very early in sobriety and meetings talk about their misery. They have six months and they're on step three and they're like, at this rate, you're just not going to get to a place of peace before the drink comes back, right. man. You know, yeah. so here it's really, it hurts at times in meetings when I hear people that are just like, they're in it, you know, they are mm-hmm. struggling, you know, yeah. and it's like, oh man, I would just wish you could just get to amends. Like, oh man, I right. wish you would just go to your sponsor and go get me to a place where I can get that peace, you know, mm. find some peace in my life. Yeah. Um, because it can be there for you if, if, if it was just delivered in a way that's just a little quicker than um, the misery, you know? Right. Yeah. That was uh, what, what you described incidentally was exactly my experience. I, I walked into AA, um, you know, already like basically just desperate. I, mm-hmm. I was at that point where ego was, you know, completely shot down. Um, and then because of this, uh, and I think I'm going to repeat myself again, but because of this, um, you know, all, all that they say in the meetings, it, it's not necessarily, uh, it, it doesn't mean that it doesn't work because the, like the amount of identification I got from people who were speaking on in those first meetings, mm-hmm. the amount of like su- su- support, which later on turned out not to be as much of a support as I thought it was, mm-hmm. but, it, but it worked, you know, it worked. It sort of lulled me into thinking, okay, I'm in the right place. This is going to work. All these people are fine. They're happy it, because, well, that's how it works. You know, you see these people, you think, okay, what they're doing, it works. And, and, and you feel sort of at home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that gets you through a few months and, mm-hmm. 
uh, and then you start working the steps because you find a sponsor and so on. If you're lucky, mm-hmm. someone who is who wants to sit with you, what what you described once a week, you know, going through this. So you think you're working the program and you're working the steps and you're in the right place. And then I got the, and then I got to six months. Uh, I was on step three. I had no idea what what I what like what all of it meant, mm-hmm. uh, and <clears throat> I was absolutely miserable. Like back to where I was six months prior, after mm-hmm. four hundred meetings and you know talking to people and people are amazing. People want to help, mm-hmm. uh, and they really think they're doing that, and that's great. The problem is that it doesn't help the real alcoholic because you, I I got to that point after six months where it was just, okay, that's it. I'm drinking again because this is unbearable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. That was, so that was what was coming up to in in my mind. Um, The anyone who's listened to maybe three or four episodes of this has probably heard me enough to know that like a sort of quick version of, my experience with the question I asked you, Roland, <clears throat> is that um, I stopped drinking, um, was looking for a sponsor, met my sponsor around like, I don't know, I had like between like 10, 12 days, something like that. And then uh, like immediately did the fifth step. And within like a week and a half to two weeks of that, I was sponsoring um, and somewhere within that week had an experience that was exactly what you described where I was like, oh my God, like this, some different thing has happened in my life. Right. So very mm-hmm. quick, less than 30 days. Um, mm-hmm. so any, anyone who's, who's listened to, you know, a few episodes of the show has probably, probably heard that. Um, but that, that's my question to you also, Leah is like, for anybody listening who doesn't know your story, what does that look like for you as someone who was heavily in fellowship land for six months and then on the verge of like just throwing in the towel because it wasn't working? When did that neutrality show up for you? Like how long did that take after actually starting the work? Um, <clears throat> so I think in total uh, it was maybe... I don't know, 12, 14 days, uh, the steps. And then maybe with within five days to a week, I was sponsoring after mm-hmm. that. So in total, I'd say it's less than three weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's when you started like actually experiencing that freedom you were talking about, or was that with a little bit uh, more time and sponsorship? Uh, no, actually I, I, uh, I realized maybe a few days into starting sponsoring that like the thought of alcohol is just completely gone. Mm -hmm. And when it comes, it's met with, I remember I was, I was in a department store with my husband, who's like a whiskey fan, but a pedantic whiskey fan. So he'd buy, he's, you know, he will, he'll buy all these (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. He'll buy all these, you know, like strange whiskeys and talk to me about, you know, a whiskey which costs, I don't know, 80 euro, like uh-huh. $100 or something. And I'd be like, and I'd be like, okay, yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> and we'd be standing in that, in that, in that department store and the aisle would be just full of, you know, these bottles of whiskey and hard liquor and beer on, you know, like mm-hmm. on the other side. 
And I called myself, and I didn't realize it at that time, but I was just standing there and, you know, thinking, okay, I'm just, you know, he's happy with that. So I'm just going to be here and we're just going to look at this whiskey. And, you know, the thought of, I need to drink all of this, what I'm saying, because life is unbearable and I just need to drink. Mm -hmm. It just was not there. Mm -hmm. And I remember writing to my friend saying, oh my God, oh my God, do you know what happened? <laughs> because it, it just, it did not sink in in the moment. Mm -hmm. But it was so clear and apparent that, like that, that's just completely gone, removed, and mm. um, and it did happen very quickly after starting sponsorship. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that was my yeah, experience sure. too. Sp sponsorship. Yeah. It's like it, we've we've talked about it on the show a few times. Like, uh, if we're gonna extend the cake analogy, like I have all the ingredients together. And sponsorship is like, I'm going to put them in the oven, you know, like mm -hmm. this is where I put yes. this in the oven. Um, for me, that was where everything got activated as well. And like, and I, and I know many people who we've had on the show say, have said the same thing, you know, like, and I think that that really speaks to one of the core tenets of the program, which is abandoning yourself to being of service to other people, which mm -hmm. again, to Roland's early shares, you know, yeah, it's very helpful to put chairs away. Very helpful to clean ashtrays at meetings. Very helpful to run a Zoom meeting. Like stuff people don't want to do and takes effort and patience. And um, but it is not intensive work with other alcoholics. And mm -hmm. um, you know, sa same thing for me. Like uh, I have heard from many, many people that this podcast is helpful to them. This is not intensive work with other alcoholics, you know, when I'm, when I'm spending months of my time, uh, recording, editing, and posting these, uh, my wife thinks I'm doing a lot of AA stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm just talking about AA, you know, and I'm having some really awesome conversations. And again, they are benefiting people. People are, are, are helped by it. They mm -hmm. use it in sponsorship. Mm -hmm. They use it in their own recovery. Mm -hmm. They get connected with, with new sponsors through the show, stuff like that. Um, but this is not intensive work with other alcoholics. That's not what it no. is. So, right. um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not sharing that for any reason other than to say me sitting down and fundamentally offering these tools to someone is just as necessary today as it was when I had 23 days and I started doing it, you know, it's, it's the same thing. Like, I continue to do that because it works like that is a core. It's one of three things I've got to do in my life that I was given that I can get back on track with that. I like Roland was talking about that. I can grow my connection, my understanding, how helpful I am in my life. Everything is grown by throwing myself into 10, 11 and 12, everything and yeah. 12 Again, being useful to people in a, a myriad of ways is great, but 12 is about taking other people through these, these steps. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, selfishness, self-centeredness is the root of our problem. Selfless and other centered is going to be our solution. The 12 mm. steps get us to a place where we can be selfless and other centered. Mm. That's the, the purpose of this is to get to a place where I'm focusing on you instead of me. Mm. And, and, and in that, and then in that shift is where 
everything happens. All of the byproducts of these, all the, all of the promises, the peace and ease, the comfort, the, the removal of the obsession to drink alcohol happens in this process of focusing my attention outward to helping others. And it was in sponsorship and in, it, it, as a result of sponsorship where I found that I wasn't thinking of me so frequently. I wasn't always in this constant mm-hmm. state of self-obsession and self-focusedness where I'm just thinking of how my life needs to be run, how it needs to be managed and what needs to happen in order for me to be okay. When mm-hmm. I'm focusing on how I can make somebody else's life okay, then mm-hmm. all of a sudden my problems don't matter. Mm-hmm. I am not in this place of how my life needs to be run. I'm, I'm, it's, it's gone. And that's where I found the peace is, is when it's channeled outward towards others. So, yeah, right. absolutely. Hell yeah. <laughs> Good shit, man. Thank you so much for doing this with us. Thank you for joining us. Mm-hmm. It's great. Love it, man. You. So cool. of course. And, uh, thank you to my lovely co-host Leia. And thank you both. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Thanks, yeah. guys. Yeah. Okay. There you go. I was like, when are you going to thank me? Okay. She thanks me. <laughs> now I need thanks from you. <laughs> Remember that whole yeah. self abandonment thing? I'm yeah. others. Okay. Focus yeah, on right. others. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you, guys. All right. Thanks, dudes. This has been a podcast greater than yourself. Podcast Greater Than Yourself was created by recovered alcoholics. All involved in the creation of this podcast are active members of Alcoholics Anonymous who wish to carry the message of our own recovery to those who still suffer. We do not claim to represent Alcoholics Anonymous. All comments are from our own experiences as alcoholics who have recovered by following the directions for the 12 steps found in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. Thanks for listening.